Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the Word of God. My scripture today is from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 8. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 8, and I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture today. God had given Samuel direction to find and to anoint a king for Israel. King Saul had moved out of that position of spiritual authority and he had moved in the place of human authority. His, his God-given authority had been removed from him and he was not walking in the will of God. And you know the story, Samuel has asked Jesse to bring in his sons before him. And after the sixth, Samuel asked Jesse, are these all of the sons that you have? And he says, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. Verse 12. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord says, rise and anoint him, for he is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came to David in power. Let me take you back to that room. Here is David, and he's out tending the sheep for his father. He's out there on the hillside, and if you know anything about David, he was a worshiper. And he was probably watching the sheep and worshiping and praising God at the same time. And somebody runs and gets him and says, David, come. Father wants you. He needs you now. Well, I'm tending the sheep, but I, he needs you now. There's something going on. And, and David walks into this room, and in this room, his brothers and his fathers. But there was another man there that he did not know was going to be there, and that was Samuel. Hey, hey, what's going on here? Why, why is everybody here? Why is everybody looking at me? And Samuel walks up to him, and the Lord speaks to Samuel, and Samuel be begins to speak for prophetically, and he says, He is the one. And in the presence of his brothers, Samuel raises the horn of oil and begins to pour the oil upon David and upon his head. I cannot imagine the awesome feeling that David must have felt, that, that overwhelming place in your life where you can say, God has, has visited me and there's something different in my spirit. I don't understand it, but I have been changed. He had not expected to be anointed as king. He was content praising his God and tending the sheep. The Word says from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Reading further in the Scriptures, listen to the Word of God. 1 Samuel 17, 1. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sekah in Judah. And they pitched their tent between Sukkah and Azkah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. 
The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites the other with a valley between them. And a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he bore bronze graves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. He was a big man. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your servants. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our servants and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David, the son of the Ephraimite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem, the house of bread in Judah, Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Elab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah, and David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took a stand and yelled across this valley at the Philistines. It's a picture to think that they would stand on one side and the Philistines would stamp on the other and they would just, every morning they would get out and rah, they'd yell at each other. Then the Philistines would yell back and then the Israelites would cower down and here would come Goliath and he would scream and the Israelites would run into their tents scared. Now Jesse told his son David, take an ephath of golden grain and ten loaves of bread for your father or brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of the unit. He was serving. See how your brothers are and come back with some assurance from them. There was Saul and of all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. And early in the morning, David left the flock, his shepherd, loaded up, set out as Jesse had directed. Now the Israel, verse 25, and the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out to defy Israel? The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him the daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from the taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near, What will be done for the men who kills the Philistines and removes the disgrace from Israel? And they said he will be lifted on high. When Elab, David's brother, heard him speaking of that, he says, What are you saying, David? Who are you? You are just a child. You are just a shepherd. You have not fought alongside of Saul. You've never fought before in your life. When David heard this, this is what he said, verse 29. Now what have I done, David said? Is there not a cause? Is there not 
a cause. There comes some certain time in your walk with God that you've got to stand for what is right and what is true. Is there not a cause? David had stood on the hillside for that time and he had watched this Philistine army and he had watched Goliath stand out and defy the Israelites and the God that he served. He'd also looked around and saw that the men were much bigger than him that should have been going against Goliath, but they wouldn't do it. They were bigger. They were stronger. They had armor. And here they were hiding in their tents. What did David have when he went to battle? When he went there, he was not even planning on fighting. He was planning on serving. So with his shepherd's bag, it's all that he had and some provisions for the men, he goes and he's there to fight Goliath. They had come prepared to fight for battle. But David was prepared to serve. He was tired of watching the Israelites being pushed down and pressed down. He was tired of watching his brothers in fear. The cause was much greater than the fear that was within him. Any insecurities that he had had to go to the wayside because of the cause. He had been given authority to make a difference. At that moment, I'm sure David remembered back into that room when he stood and Samuel poured that oil of anointing upon his head. He felt that anointing oil as it flowed down his face into his, his chin and down to his chest. He felt the awesomeness of the anointing power that rested upon him that day. The weight of the anointing that fell upon him. The time that he walked away from it and said, My God, God is doing something in my life. When will I use this anointing? When will I use this power? I'm sure that he remembered that time in that house with Samuel when the presence of God rested upon him. But he had to come to the realization that his power did not come from the position of a king. But that the power came from the presence of God. Did he deserve it? No. Did he earn it? No. But God had chosen him for that time to come against the powers of darkness in the hour. But he was a shepherd boy. But he had the anointing. But he was young, but he had the anointing chosen by God to affect time and space. What greater leader have we been able to look at but David, a mighty man of valor, a man after God's own heart. God is raising up spiritual leaders in this hour. He has called them to war in the spirit. He has called them to fight in the battle and to move into a position of authority and to take on the giants of the land. My question for you today is, is there not a cause? Well, our children are thrown in the public schools and are subject to the heightened sin and, immort 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 and sin in this world. I ask you, is there not a cause? As the young women throw themselves into sin and walk the streets of the city and give themselves to so-called men for drugs and for money, I ask you, is there not a cause? Every day, every minute, and every hour that we sit here into this day, somebody is slipping off into eternity without knowing the mercy and the grace of God. And I ask you today, is there not a cause? Hundreds of thousands of millions of people live in lands far, far away and never even know the name of Jesus. And I ask you, is there not 
a cause. But when was the last time you took a look at the Kansas City Star and looked at the obituaries and wondered how many of those names never knew the love and the grace of Jesus? Listen, this dispensation of grace is coming to an end. God is wrapping up the hour and he is calling for the church to move into the authority and the power of apostolic ministry to get the word of God to the world. Don't think that the times of refreshing that we sit in this place on Sunday afternoons, like last Sunday that I heard, and the mighty move of God and power moves through this place, that it's just to get our Holy Ghost goosebumped activated. The only reason God is moving on us today is that He is empowering us and equipping us to move for the cause of Christ. There are lions that must be slayed. There are bears that must be moved. And there are Goliaths in our way that have to be taken down. And every time that we are in the power and the presence of God, He is equipping us for the battle. Can we praise Him? Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. There has been an anointing placed upon each of you. An apostolic anointing of power and authority. You received it when you received the Holy Ghost. It is there. And you may not be in the exact position that you think you need to be in to move in authority. David was a shepherd. David was a nobody. David had no position. We have called preachers and teachers and evangelists in this room and have become frustrated because you feel that your anointing is not being utilized. But what is keeping you from the flow of the anointing? Saints, men and women alike have been called to move into this world. You may have not been called to preach. You may not have been called to teach. But you've been called to encourage and to love and to lift up. My question to you is, what keeps you from the cause of Christ? That keeps you from moving into the spiritual authority that God would have you move into. Your anointing is not predicated by your position. It is predicated with you utilizing the anointing in the position that you stand in right now, in the presence of God. You can't obtain authority without position. You can obtain mercy and grace without position. You can, incur you can obtain encouraging words and, and the word of God without position. David was in the same job position, in the same job description when he killed the lion and the bear. The same position when he killed Goliath. Same place. But the power and authority came upon him that day and it went to the end of his days. Now there are some things when you go for the cause of Christ that you're going to have to face. Three things. Three things that you will have to come face to face with. The first will be your insecurities. Because an insecure Christian really is of no worth of God. When you find your security in Christ, you will be secure in Him and you can move into the dimension of ministry. I've heard it before. What would you do for God if you knew that you could not fail? 
Let me ask you this question. What can you fail when God's on your side? What is God asking you to do in ministry? What's He asking you to do in small group? What's He asking you to do in your community? What would you do for God if He was with you? The scripture clearly states, I can do all things, all things, all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. What does that mean? That means all things, all things to live, strength to move, strength to grow, strength to minister to my family, strength to minister to my community, strength just to live, strength to have sanity in my mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, even everyday life. If it were not for the grace and the mercy of God, none of us would be here today. If it were not for His grace and mercy covering us, none of us would have been here today. I think that there is a place of security to where you can be confident in yourself. You can be confident, obviously, in God and confident in your family that there is a purpose for you in this world. Now, when I say confident in yourself, I'm not talking ego. I'm talking a sense and a place of security in God to where you know that God is with me. And if God is with me, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There are times in my life that I can look back when things were not so bright. It was those dark days, and we've always had those dark times. I, the times when I felt more comfortable in bed in the middle of the day with the blankets pulled over my head. The, the times when I would cry myself to sleep on the kitchen floor so broken and so beaten that I didn't know that tomorrow would even come. In fact, it was in those times I didn't know if I even wanted tomorrow to come. It's those times in brokenness that we go through that we find that we're most insecure and most vulnerable to the enemy because we start to take on those, those things onto ourselves and, and we start to question our ability in God. Those times in brokenness when we, we can't even see the sunlight. It's, it's dark even when it's sunny outside and everything is a cloud. I, I remember those times, but just in the nick of time, just when I felt like I was going to go down, just the time that you felt like you were going to lose your mind and, and all things were going to come to an end. There was a nail-scarred hand that would brush across your cheek and say, Son, say, Daughter, this thing too will pass. Weeping endures for a moment, but joy. <laughs> joy comes in the morning. Aren't you glad for the joy of the Lord? Can we thank you for that? God, I thank you. Lord, for the joy in the Holy Ghost. I thank you, Lord, for those times. I thank you for those. I thank you for those times of brokenness because if it were not for those broken times, I would not know you like I know you today. God, if it were not for those times of insecurity when I questioned, Lord, my anointing and I questioned my position, I would not know that today. I thank you, Lord, for every time. I thank you, Lord. Talking about your insecurity in yourself being transformed into the security of God. Just look around and see who's in charge. Who created the heavens and the earth? Who with their voice spoke time into existence? It was God whose voice, just the tone of his voice, calmed 
the seas. It was God that went down with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and walked with them in the fiery furnace for a prayer walk. It was God who raised Lazarus from the dead. It was God who healed the blinded eyes and caused the lame to walk. It is God that moved into this holy place and His name is Jesus. Can I just brag on God for a bit? He is good. He is better than good. His mercy and His grace is unending. He, he has no end. He, he had no beginning. When I am gone, He will still be here. He is not moved by things that happen in this world, for He moves the things in this world. And God has elevated some of you into places in ministry in your community and your small group that you never thought you'd ever be at. Some of you have taken steps in small group and, and you've gone from an insecure saint to somebody that is, is being used by God. I'm amazed at the growth of our small group leaders. And you are leaders. I'm amazed at the people that we have in this congregation. Some of the greatest people in the Pentecostal movement are in this church today, right now, this hour. And to think that three or four years ago you wouldn't even host a small group in your house, but right now you're facilitating small groups. And to that, I say thank you. The small group ministry is taking a shift right now as we speak. And we're not going to have small group as usual. We're still going to have our pastoral groups, which we call that we're meeting right now, but we're going to break it down just a little bit smaller. We're starting to transition into interest-based groups. And interest-based groups put you completely within your own oikos or your surrounding of people. And who's going to facilitate these small groups? You are. Every one of you. And you're going to start your small groups by finding your common interests and pulling people around that have interests like you. Someday we'll have small groups. There'll be gardening clubs. That'll be a small group. There'll be cooking clubs. There'll be singles clubs. Ladies. We'll even have community-based groups. Park restoration. Meeting the needs of the homeless. What would it be like if we took small groups and the orphanages and, and women's shelters and shared the gospel of Christ in Kansas City? If you can dream it, God is by your side, and we can do it. We have not-so-new converts right now teaching your children Sunday school. We have not-so-new converts teaching the love and the mercy and the grace of God. People that we would have looked at two years ago could not even lift their hands and worship God or right now because somebody brought them to church is teaching your children downstairs. They have found security in Jesus Christ. They have found them as their Lord and their Savior. And they have moved from a place, from an insecure saint, to somebody mighty and powerful, a soul winner, while they teach your children. Let me tell you what true security is. Let me tell you what it is to have real security in your life. Now some would say it would be a lot in the checkbook. Some would say that the stocks are doing well. Some would say that the house is paid for. But here is security, I tell you. Security is when everything is settled. When nothing can happen to you. Security is denial of your own life. Security will lead you to lands that you've only seen in National Geographic magazines. Security will lead you down dark streets to hand out food to the homeless. 
Security will cause you to break some bread and take it to the widow next door. Security will have you to teach a Bible study to a friend. Security is the gift that God gives you when you put your trust in Him. The next thing that the cause of Christ will have you to do is have you to check your armor. God will not call you into battle without properly equipping you for the fight. Think about it. You would not take your children and put them into a place that was not safe without knowing absolutely that they are going to be secure and safe. And there's no way that God would put you into a situation, into a place of ministry, into a place in your neighborhood where He is going to make you fail. For there is no failure within God Himself. God is moving you into a direction that you will not fear, but you will walk in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ once you find your security totally in Him. Consider this for a moment. David goes to Saul and he says, Saul, I want to go fight Goliath. Can I do it? And after giving Saul his resume, Saul says, well, that's fine. I think, I think you could handle it. Um, I think that's okay. Here, let me get my armor and let me put my armor upon you. 1 Samuel 17, 37, it says, And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Here is David, half the size of Saul, standing there with all that unnecessary weight upon his back. His adrenaline is rushing 90 miles an hour. He's ready to go take on Goliath, and Saul wants to press him down with his own armor. Yes, you can go, but take my armor, David, he says. I can imagine David standing in front of that, that mirror, and he's, he's in this armor that is not even fitted for him. The shoulders are too wide. The sword is too long. The handle in the sword does not fit his hand. The Bible says to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily beset us. The anointing from God that He has for you is custom made to fit you. It is like when you go to the suit tailor and you have him make you a suit. He takes the pants and he makes them the length that they need to be for you. He takes the coat and he makes the coat fit you exactly like it was. And I was also thinking about a bride. A bride, before she gets married, she goes and she picks out her dress. And that dress speaks of her personality. And that dress speaks of her elegance. And that dress speaks of her beauty. That dress fits only that bride. She has it taken out or, or taken in or leaves it where it's at and loses weight so she don't have to take it in. But that dress is specifically designed for her. And you never hear of a bride loaning her wedding gown out. Now, the bridesmaids may use those bridesmaids' dresses for a, another occasion, but the wedding dress usually goes into a closet because that was made specifically for her. And the same goes for the anointing of God. You've got to get one for yourself. You've got to have an anointing that is made specifically to your personality and specifically to your character that will fit you and you alone. Recently, I was in an intense conversation with God in prayer. And as my prayer progressed, it kind of went like this. It was like, God, I said, please give me the anointing that Brother Freeman in Africa had. It's like, God, I really want to have that 
before to give me give me his anointing god i want to be able to stand in madagascar or some country and speak overseas and say go you know tear down the strongholds i, I want that authority and power god give me the authority of tw barnes let me let me know what it's like to to be in that same anointing that he had god give me this god give me lord the the power and the anointing that my pastor has i want to have god that commitment that he has i want to be able to love people like brother gleason loves god give me give me this god god give me this and god if i could just have lord the prayer team pray for me i just know that i, I would get endued with some some power and and it was as if god stopped me he said stop right there david i said god this is ken he says i'll call you what i would like to call you david i'd forgotten my middle name's david he said, all the power and the authority that you need to get my will accomplished in your life is in you right now. The time for waiting for some special anointing, the time of waiting for some special impartation you have been imparted, and this is not about me, this is about you, is now. And the anointing that, that you need to have as the congregation of the Life Church is on you now. The time for praying for somebody else's anointing is over. You don't need somebody else's anointing, for the anointing of God does not come from that person, but it comes from God himself. And when the anointing of God hits you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you have the anointing to take on all spiritual kingdoms that you would like, if you dare so. But when you take authority in the Spirit, something is transferred in the Spirit. And you move from glory to glory. He said, Ken, pick up your sling and your stones. Verse 1741. Meanwhile, the Philistines with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and despised him, and said to David, Am I a dog that you come with me of sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds in the air and the beast of the field. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, of the armies of Israel, whom you had defiled. And this day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by the sword, sword or the spear, but the Lord said, saves. For the battle is the Lord, and he will give all of you into our hands. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. I feel the Holy Ghost in here. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you would be able to withstand the evil day. Having done all to stand, 
Stand therefore, having your loins good about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the faith shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and with the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. 1 Peter 5, 8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around, roaring like a lion, seeking someone who he can devour. When you put on the armor of God, you are not putting on somebody else's authority, but you are putting on the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And when you go into battle, you are battling against principalities and powers that some cannot stand up to, but because you have the authority in the Holy Ghost, you can do that. I literally, in prayer that night, began to reach down and pick up stones. And I was walking in circles, and I was literally hurling my arm, and I would say, this one's for Tunisia. You've got to fall. And I began calling out the countries in northern Africa, Morocco, you have got to fall to the name of Jesus Christ. And I went on down the list. Here is Jordan. You must bow to the name of Jesus Christ. And with every stone that was thrown that way, I felt the power and the mighty anointing of God fall in that place. Finally, if you'll stand with me. The cause of Christ is always designed to bring the glory of God out of your own life. I am convinced that if you do anything for God, it's going to be for the ones that you are ministering to. But the most reason that He is going to do that is to bring glory, His glory, out of your life. God knows your frame. God knows what you need. He knows your gifts and His abilities. And a lot of times the gifts and abilities He puts in you so that you will minister and He can draw close to you and you alone. The ministry that God is calling you to may not be for the people that you're being called to as much as it is for you yourself. Because God desires to be close to His people. Think about it. Why would He call missionaries across the field? Is it for the people that they're going to or is it for them? It is for them. God knows what Brother Gleason needs. God knows the relationship that he wants with Pastor Gleason. Yes, he's going to minister. Yes, he's going to touch us. But God wants a relationship with Pastor. And the callings and the authority that we walk into and the things that we move into in the Spirit is all because God wants to be close to his people. His ultimate goal is that you are in a relationship with him, that all humanity will see him through you. Will lives be changed? Yes. Will hearts be mended? Yes. But the ministry that God has called you into is God simply is a way for Him to draw you into a closer relationship with Him. That's right. Amen. Well, what a revelation! God wants to use us so we can be close to Him. What ministry would you take on if you knew that God was doing it so He could draw close to you? The power and the authority and the love of God. Most likely, one of the greatest men ever used of God was David, who greatly expressed the glory and the majesty of God in his words. His level of communication with God went far beyond the normal person of that day. David learned how to get honest with God. He knew how to fight. He knew how to war. 
but he knew how to praise and how to worship. From the field where he met Jesus praising as a young boy, he danced. And when he brought in the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he danced. And the glory of God was shown through David. Psalms 145, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day will I praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works. They will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and sing of your righteousness. Can we praise him? Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Praise the Lord in his sanctuary. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for the acts of power. Praise him for suppressing greatness. Praise him with a sounding trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre. Praise him with a tambourine and dancing. Praise him with the strings and flute. Praise him with the classic cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything, let everything, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.